Blog Talk Radio. microphone was in the right spot. Good day, my brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe. It is 0600 hours Eastern, or Romeo, you nautical types, 10 hour, 1000 hours Greenwich or Zulu time. This is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. I'm William Eastman, Managing Partner for Applied Knowledge Labs North America. We are a business research company with offices in Calgary, Alberta, Canada in the United States, in Las Vegas, Nevada, Kansas City, Missouri, and our recently opened Atlantic Regional Office, Richmond, Virginia, which is where the show is originating this morning. And we are changing the formula of success for companies from zero to 50 million in revenue. And I'm going to be your host for the next 30 minutes, and today's show is on the second best practice that makes up the category we call branded strategy, and that is infrastructure alignment, or how do you how do you put the damn thing together? Okay, but before we start, I got some administrative to deal with, so let's start with chat. You can join us in the chat room at chat now, and you get there by clicking the chat now button on our show page, and our show page is at blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R. You can dial in and join us live on the show at 347-215-7471. That's 347-215-7471. You can tweet me, not tweet me because I'm not a bird, on Twitter at W. Eastman, W-E-A-S-T-M-A-N. And all those screens are open, and hopefully I can multitask through the whole thing. And then finally, there's the ubiquitous blog, uh, the, the rudder. The link is on our show page right below the chat now button. Or you can Google it at the Rudder, R-U-T-T-E-R, blog. And um, it should show up above the fold. All right, so the administrative is out of the way, so where are we? Well, for all my listeners who have been with us, you kind of know where we've been. For everybody who's new, either to the show or as a download, is that we are running our third series of, of, of information pieces. Our first series talked about the stages of growth. And you can go into our archives and download those. Our second series was looking at the strategy of these companies that became market dominators and what were the characteristics of that. And you can also go into the archives and download either the overview or any one of those elements. And this series is around the actual research. As we looked at research that we did on companies that grew very quickly, what, did they, what were the characteristics that uh, made them get there, either they did these things better than anybody else, or they did them and the other people didn't. And within that series, this is show 9 of 43. It'll take us 43 shows to get there. We are number 9. And so what is this issue around infrastructure alignment? Well, let me define it for you. Given your company's strategy and processes, now if you're a brand new startup, 
you don't have any processes. It still applies because then you don't have to make any mistakes that you have to undo. But if you've been in business for a bit, then everybody's got a set of processes up, whether those are for marketing, sales, uh, financials, production, uh, service, or support. And that is, what is the most efficient method of organizing the business to ensure coordination without bureaucracy? Because the essence of organizational structure is this. It's really simple, and it's really simple to apply, and hopefully at the end of the 30 minutes it'll look simple to you too, is that it's all about coordination. If you are starting off and it's just you and you have a few employees, you can survive using what is called a hub-and-spoke method of leading the firm in that you are the center, the spokes all radiate out from you, they do what they're told. But at some point, the company just gets too big for that to happen and becomes too complex. And so how do I, as this company grow, grows, how do I coordinate all these activities when I personally can't do it? And that is the power of the organization. But I want to do that with the minimum amount of bureaucracy. And what bureaucracy usually entails is a lot of written policies and procedures that get, really get in the way long term. And for most of you who never went into the corporate America, one of the reasons you started your own company is you want to put up with that BS. Well, I'm going to talk about how do you build it without having the BS. Now, there are five attributes or five sets of behaviors. When we look at infrastructure alignment, five things occur in these companies. So what did, what did the research show us, and then what have we learned over the last four, year, four and a half years of practical application? Well, let's start with reporting methods. Uh, reporting methods. Now, what that is about is simply, how do I provide the right information, which is both amount and type and timing to people about the business? That's it. Real simple. More important than you may believe, though, because as you look at infrastructure alignment, to me, there are two principal issues, and we're going to address this as the first two attributes. One is you've got to align people with strategy. You've got a corporate strategy. You've got a place you're trying to cut, take the company over the space of a period of time, whether it's a quarter, half a year, year. Uh, typically, it's never longer a year, especially in small businesses, usually in smaller chunks. Our strategic uh, planning process is a quarter. So I concern myself with alignment for the next three months. But um, how do I make sure that the people who are doing the work in the firm clearly understand where we're trying to drive the firm? That's what this is about. The other alignment, the other critical issue here, is aligning processes with customers, which we're going to deal with in the next uh, attribute. So reporting methods is about aligning people with strategy. And so let's take some things that we all know. First of all, you cannot manage what you don't measure, especially when you're not directly supervising it. And so, and that is not only management that you would impose as the, or management uh, that you would conduct as the owner, entrepreneur, uh, president, CEO, grand poobah, pharaoh, whatever title you have for yourself. But it's also about self-management. As a matter of fact, in small business, self-management becomes even more critical than it does in large companies because small businesses require high levels of initiative and self-management from everyone, including and probably especially would be the right, I think, adjective to use, the front line. How do I, here's the question you want, you want to be able to have everybody in the company answer well. How do they make the best choice possible? 
Okay? And if you can't tell them what to do, then they're going to make those choices. They make them all the time. The only influence you have is can you channel and direct them to make those right choices. And so how you report what's going on in your organization is critical. Now, how much information you provide and what you provide is really situational to a number of factors. But here's the essence of it. If you don't share some of that information, you're not going to get there. And for all of you that are use information as a power source, uh, all I can tell you is you've got to get over it because if that's the way you're going to do business, you're not going to grow your company bigger than you can personally control. And then I'm not sure what help I'm providing here on this show. So that's number one, reporting methods. Number two is streamline for responsiveness. And what does this mean? And that means all processes are aligned to impact either the customer's business or those in your company who service your customers. It's really about making the company agile, the ability to kind of change with what the demands are and do that simply without a lot of heartache. And this is the issue about aligning processes with customers. And so how does this happen, or what are you fighting? Well, here's a reality. When you create internal functions, internal departments, they quickly take on lives of their own. And in an attempt by the people who run those to organize it and to make it more manageable, their focus becomes inward. And so if I'm going to manage that function, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to make it easier for my people to do their job and make it easier for me to manage them doing their jobs. Unfortunately, many times those rules of policies or just kind of stated verbal practices are not helpful at all in helping the frontline service customers or service customers directly. So no department has any value, any value whatsoever, unless it positively affects end users. And so what organizations quickly understand is that there is this inertia to create a monopoly within these departments, and you've got to bust that stuff up. Now, if you don't have the structure in place yet, you can start off in pretty good shape because you're going to make it difficult to, to happen. It will happen, and that is what you're going to have to manage. But you want to streamline the company to be extremely respon uh, responsive to what is going on, and that is making sure that all the processes you have are aligned with customers first, and secondly, because it will happen in that order, uh, aligned with people who service those customers. Okay, Those are the two. If you take nothing away from, from this radio show, and by the way, I didn't say this at the very beginning. This is show 628-898. If you're going to track this and download it, if you take nothing else from the show, take that away. You do these two things, you'll get it done. The third one has now is we kind of come down a level. Those first two are bigger picture issues. Now we're going to come down to smaller picture issues. The third one is solve problems. Uh, not necessarily exactly does this define it. And I've struggled with this because all of the naming, reporting methods, streamlining for responsiveness, solve problems, are names that we gave to the behaviors. Um, sometimes it's what the company, the research said that the company did. Other case, we had said, well, what are we really saying here? Well, what solve problems is this, is that most companies are reactive, okay? And they're reactive in that they're not ahead of what's going on. They're responding to what's happening to them. And what, what happens when you're reactive 
is a lot of times you don't get at the root cause of issues. So, so what you wind up doing is you wind up have reoccurring problems, and you're constantly solving the same problem. Well, I can tell you that by about the third time, and I'll cut you some slack, and not say by the second time, if you've, just, if you've solved this problem twice and you've got it again, you haven't solved anything. And what that has to do is what is your problem-solving methodology, which is more of a, an approach that you and everybody in the company takes to, hey, this is the third time this week this has been on my desk. Um, I'm going to make sure that it does not show up the fourth time. Okay? So what is that about? Well, it should be obvious that you, if you haven't solved it in the first couple of attempts, then probably what you've been dealing with, the thing that you've been trying to fix, is a symptom. It isn't the problem itself. It is a manifestation of the problem, and that it pops up someplace else. And I'll give you an example in a minute. And to, in order to really solve the problem, you need to identify the root cause. Um, it's, it's, it's the thing. It's the originator. It's the activator from which everything else springs. Now, I learned something a long time ago when I worked in, um, in manufacturing about quality. It's a Japanese technique that I think is killer because its application is, it, it, I don't care what you do in life or in business, this works every time I've tried it. And it's called the principle of the five whys. And that is when a problem comes across your desk, or let's say you have a meeting, you bring people together and say, okay, this is the fourth time this month we've had this. Obviously, we're, not, we're handling it. So now, what happened? And then when you get the answer, then you say, why? Why did that happen? And then they'll give you another answer. And then you say, well, why did that happen? And what you'll find is between answering the third why and the fifth why, you'll get to the root cause. Hang in there. Ask why until there's no more water. Think of yourself when it comes to problem solving like a salmon. You're not there until you run out of water, until you get to the headwaters of the stream, and that's what you're trying to do on the problem-solving side. Okay? Keep asking why until you can't answer it. When you get to the point where you can't answer it, you more than likely have got to the point where you're there. Okay? So let me stop for a second, and let's, let me talk a little bit about, about our company, Applied Knowledge Labs. I said at the beginning um, in my intro is that we're a business research company, and I know that turns some people off, but I believe in truth in advertising. And so that's what we are. But let me talk about what that means. What we do, we are an information refinery, just like a uh, refinery that takes and builds, makes gasoline or diesel, is that you can't use crude out of the ground. The, the stuff that they pump out of, uh, out of the north slope of Alaska or the, or the crude that they get from the tar sands of Alberta, Canada, you can't do anything with. It has potential, but it's not usable. So it goes to refinery. And depending upon what your needs are, whether it's heating oil, diesel, gasoline, aviation fuel, etc., etc., that, that crude, that raw material with great potential is refined. That's what we are. That's what we do. We look at what's going on out there. We study the fast growth companies. We find out how are they getting there when nobody else can get there, especially now if you look at the economy that we're having in the United States and probably in most corners of the world. How are the best of the best not just surviving, but how are they actually taking advantage of this environment to get bigger and to get better? That's what we do. 
we take that crude, that information that you don't have the time or perhaps the inclination to look at, and we turn that into stuff that's usable. Now, in our particular case, we are a product company. We don't sell services, uh, and in a second, I'll hit on why we do that. And so our products are really simple. We have, serve, we have an assessment. And what the assessment does is it looks at your company's readiness for growth. The best way to look at the assessment is this. It is a full-body diagnostic. In other words, if you say to yourself, okay, I just turned 50, I haven't had a physical in a few years, you go to a prestigious uh, medical institution like, say, the Mayo Clinic, and you say, do me. And they run every test. You're there for a couple days, and at the end, you sit down with the doctor, and the doctor says, okay, we're going to start with the blood chemistry, then we're going to go from the CAT scans, then we're going to go to the MRIs. And basically, they go down the whole list, and they give you a checklist of how you're doing. That's what our premier product, our assessment forecast, does. It gives you your readiness for growth, indicates what areas that you need to work on that are anchors that are keeping you from moving forward, what are the issues that are pertinent to today, and then what are the issues that are going to be future issues and what sequence can you attack those in. Then we have surveys. Our second product are surveys. Now, surveys are simply shortened versions of the assessment, but they're very targeted to issues. So, for example, let's say you turn your ankle. And so instead of going to the clinic for a full body scan because you haven't had a physical in a long time, you know what's wrong with you. Hey, I turned my ankle. And you go in there, so they're not going to do a CAT scan on your head or an MRI, a blood chemistry. They're going to take it, do some x-rays of your foot, and they're going to say, okay, here's what's wrong, here's what you need to do. We have over 30 of those. We have things like um, we measure customers, we measure employees, we measure quality, um, we measure your IT infrastructure. We measure specific things. So if you know that my problem is here, here, and here, and you're certain that it's not a symptom given today's theme, but actually there's a root cause that IT is the root cause, your IT infrastructure is your root cause, we have a survey that you can take that will get at those issues to say, aha, here are the th here's where we're at, and here's the things that we need to do. And then our third set of products are some do-it-yourself. Once you get the information, what do you want to do with it? Now, some, some companies have ongoing relationships with consultants, trainers, or coaches, and so you can give them that data, and they can help you with it. Or number two, you can say, no, we don't, we don't do that type of stuff. We do all our own. I'm going to do it ourselves. So we have a number of D, uh, DIY, do-it-yourself products, which are basically job aids to say, if your issue is strategy, here's what you do. If your issue is people, here's what you do. And you can basically handle it yourself. Now, the last thing I want to say is that we are data atheists. In other words, I don't care what the data says. Since we don't sell services, there is no upsell. And so therefore, the data I give you, I have no ax to grind. It doesn't have to look a certain way so I can say to you, well, you need to buy our consulting service. We don't do that. And so all our job is I have one job. Myself and the people that work in my firm do one thing, and that is to give you, to give you the most accurate picture possible of where your company stands. So if you're interested, a couple ways you can go. You can hit us at our website, which is appliedknowledgelabs.com. That's appliedknowledgelabs.com. You can write me directly, and that is eastman at aklabs.org, and that's a-k-l-a-b-s dot o-r-g. Or you can call us on our Skype hotline, which will get directly to one of us, and that's 304-471-1660. That's 804-471-1660. Okay, let's get to the last two. The uh, third, is it? Uh, the line side that I, via. The fourth 
of the attributes or, or best practices um, is, or behaviors is siloless. And I've talked about this uh, briefly when we, when we were in talking about streamlining for responsiveness or becoming agile. Silos means basically this. Process drives structure, not the other way around. What a lot of companies do is they, they structure first. You know, they've got to put boxes on the org chart. So they put them on there and they say, okay, we're going to have an accounting department, marketing department, sales uh, department, production department, inventory department, support department, whatever. You put them on there because you know that you're going to have those functions. So it's not that the functions are wrong. But the issue is, is that by putting the boxes up there, what you do then is that the delivery of whatever it is that the customers get from you, whether it's a product that they buy or a service they receive, has to jump over these silos. And what happens a lot of times in that type of environment is what we call over-the-wall manufacturing. And that is one department works on it. When they're done, they throw it over the wall. You don't know when it's coming. It kind of plops down on your desk. You get it. And then it's like, well, now what do I do with it? Because many times you have to now rework it. You just can't stick it into your system. And so what we're talking about here is organize around the core processes and then decide what structure makes sense. And so the issue is that structure in an organization needs to be fluid and organic. It only serves a purpose if it makes it easier, cheaper, and better to create, build, deliver to end users. Um, don't draw the boxes up first. Draw the boxes up last. And um, because if you draw the boxes up first, then the quality of what you do and the price that you get to charge and the margin that you make is going to be in spite of the organization structure, not because of that. And here's the issue that if you create silos, they become monopolies. And then we're back to number two on this issue of streamlining. And so to keep the organization siloless, remember that process matters, structure is support. And then finally, the last one is firefighting. And firefighting is kind of your canary in the mine. This is the thing that you look at if you say, if you want to know how well you're doing in this best practice, how well have we aligned the infrastructure of this firm, look at firefighting. Because if you spend a lot of your time dealing with the urgent, the immediate, and that, that type of stuff, the latest crisis of the day or the latest crisis of the hour, if you're dealing with that, and that is crowding out the long-term things that are important to the firm, then you've got problems with the infrastructure. You've got problems with your reporting methods. You've got problems with how you streamlined. You've got problems with how you problem solve. You have problems with silos and functions that you've created in the firm. And so this is the place that you look. Okay? So you say to yourself, look at your day timer or how you track your time, or have your employees do the same thing and say, where is the majority of the time being spent? Is it being spent on things that are critical to the long-term health of the company, things that you have planned for, or you spend the majority of time dealing with something that was, that was unpredictable, happens, it is urgent, and when it occurs, you've got to fix it so you can't ignore it, but the reality of it is that we shouldn't have had this to deal with in the first place. Okay? And so that, what happens is that that crowds out the future. The immediate of today crowds out the future. Where do you look? You look at your reporting methods. You take a look at your, how you streamline the firm. You take a look at your silos. And you take a look at your problem solving. So let me kind of now begin to get on my closeout. And I'm just as I'm going to do this, I'm going to click on Twitter at home to see if anybody has zapped me on Twitter.
Uh, on Friday, I had a couple of quits, and I missed them because I was trying to multifunction. Okay, nobody's here and asked any questions. So let me kind of summarize this. And here's the summarization. Um, building an organization is simple if you understand two key elements. All right? And the first one is how do you align people with strategy? Now, there's more to it than we covered here. We didn't talk about how the strategy is put together. Typically, strategy is not delivered down from the, down from the mount. It's not kind of a Moses moment for you as the leader where you stand up there and you hold the tablets up and you go, uh, I have the word, you know, and the word is good. That's not how it works in most companies, that if you want to make this successful, how you put your strategy together is cascaded to the firm. And we'll talk about that later in a, another best practice within this category of brand and strategy. And so, but you get people involved, you get their input, and so it's kind of top-down, bottom-up, and then the, finally it's top-down, so everybody understands how the pieces of the company fit together. And then you say to yourself, all right, now, how do we measure work? How do we measure performance? Sometimes we measure results. Sometimes we measure activities. But how do we measure that, and how do we share it? And that I, I have a recommendation for you. Um, these books may not be out of print, but I would check them out. Um, there are two books that I would recommend. One is Open Book Management by John Case. John Case was the, uh, was the owner and uh, ran a manufacturing center uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts that remanufactured engines. Um, and so, excellent book about how to manage the firm with numbers. And the other one is called The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack, Jack's consultant. Both of those books get at the issues much the same way. But what it talks about is how to share the books of the company with the employees. Now, I'm sure there's financial information that you don't want to share that's private to you. That's fine. I'm not talking about that. But if companies do not know how the business makes money, you have no hope of growing the damn firm because they then will not be making full-time, real-time decisions that are correct if they're given two or three choices, you want them to take the choice that's going to have the greatest impact on the firm. It's not going to happen. So you must come up with ways to align people with strategy. Part of that is making a decision on what metrics to share. And again, I'll give you those two books. One is the uh, Open Book Management by John Case, and the other one is The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. Two great books that get at this one from a consultant who provide those services, another one from a guy who ran his company that way. And I, the rule of thumb here is if you're going to make a mistake, share too much. It's easier to back off than it is not to share enough. And as I said at the beginning, if you're really into power and you use information as power, um, then I, there's nothing I can do for you because that, it, you're not going to grow anything. You're going to get as big as you can personally manage, and that's the end of it. The other one is is aligning processes with customers. How do you build a streamlined, agile, responsive company? Well, you start with the customer, and you work backwards. You start from the outside, and you work in, and you make sure that this whole flow is designed to do one thing, do it faster, better, and for less. And once you've got that in place, then you say to yourself, how do, I, how do we support the people who deal with customers directly? Because the thing I'll tell you, 
And I don't think we have a, a, a section specifically to customer service or what we call customer enthusiasm. But I'll tell you this, the front line doesn't lie. The front line does not lie. Because if you look at people that are in, in those type of circumstances, is typically they're dealing with people who are unhappy about issues that, the, that this individual is taking a call or dealing with the face-to-face. It's not something they did, so it's not their fault, and they can't fix it. And yet what's happening is they're getting their butt kicked by the customer. Well, if you're supporting them, they're going to solve the problem. If you're not supporting them and they feel alone, you know what they're going to do? They're going to tell the truth. And they're going to tell the customer things like, if you think that's bad, you ought to work here, and then give the customer a couple of horror stories. Why? Because they're going to reduce their tension level. So there is a, you absolutely do not win if you do not align processes with customers. And then finally, you build your functions without silos because it's all process-based, and then you monitor firefighting to determine how well you're attacking the root cause. So that's our show for today. What I want to say to you is uh, our next show is on cultural adaptability, and that has to do with do you choose the company's culture or does it choose you, And which is an interesting paradox. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce some new information that we just recently developed that uh, nobody else has seen before. So I'm going to talk about the four types of cultures that you find and ask you the self and have you ask yourself the question, do we have a culture in my company that I created that fits our mission or do I have a culture that uh, that I kind of have by uh, by chance? And if you had it by chance more than likely it doesn't work. So with that wealth and prosperity everybody Thanks for joining. Have a great business day.